0: Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. Welcome back, everybody, to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. I'm excited. (laughs) <laughs> i'm excited i'm excited too <laughs> david hawkins ladies and gentlemen in the building in the studio thanks for being here today thank you for having me ted um and i'm not lying when i say i'm excited because the moment uh, you walked in the studio your energy it, you. it was very uh it was very infectious i, I have been
1: told that I, <laughs> I actually i got in trouble a lot as a kid um and, and as a student because they kept saying that you know you your attitude uh it's just like it is infectious you 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 go into a room and whether it's good or whether it's bad, um, people kind of pick up on it. And I realized really early on that it's a responsibility of mine to always be really cognizant of yeah. where my attitude is um, because I have the, you know, the power for good and for bad to affect the, the room and the energy that I'm in. And so I really try and focus on always bringing a lot of light and energy and, and, uh, and goodness into a room.
0: And folks, there you have it. We are approximately checking the time. 40 seconds in <laughs> <laughs> and, and already um, I think some tidbits that a lot of folks can take home because I think I hope so. we all know those people who walk in a room and they just drain it right they, oh my they're god they're having a bad day we call them
1: Eeyore in my office there are <laughs> there are,
0: are no Eeyores yeah at my PR lab yeah it's like excuse me you know mm-hmm. you, you can take that outside Do a redo and come back in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of my PR lab for the listeners who might not know who you are, David, why not introduce yourself? Sure. Let them know what it is you do.
1: Well, thank you. Um, I own a a non-traditional PR company located here in Greenville, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, I call it non-traditional because we are really transparent about who and what we support both inside our business and outside of that. Uh, I think a lot of times, certainly here in in a more conservative part of the country, people may be a little more guarded about their... Personal beliefs versus uh, how they act professionally, and that's perfectly fine. You know, we're all here to respect each other's boundaries and and to respect each other, especially at work. But uh, the fact that I own my own business and that I can choose to be transparent is just a really uh, I find a, a lot of um, power in that place. Yeah. Uh, so we work with brands, um, we work with food and beverage, restaurant, uh, we work with doctors, dentists, uh, we work with fashion lines, uh, accessory lines. It's really just about getting your product in front of those who may be able to purchase that. Um, so primarily consumer-focused, true public relations.
0: I love that. And we've Thank been you. able to work together on a number of projects. Yes. And um, yeah. I must say that working with you is an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I Same love what you do. And, uh, and it's clear to see the passion behind your work and mm-hmm. what you stand for. Um, I want to jump right into transparency, as you were okay. mentioning, sure. in terms of, of kind of building that business through that. Where did that come about? Because I feel like transparency is a word that a lot of people like, mm-hmm. but when it comes to applying it to themselves, it's quick for them to avoid. Well, I think they
1: avoid it because they're terrified of it, mm-hmm. right? Like transparency is vulnerability and yeah. you can't get to either of those places unless you are ready for uh, judgment yeah. on whatever that could be. And so you when you become vulnerable or when you become transparent, you're really allowing Anybody else to make any judgment call on you. Um, the the real challenge of that is not letting that judgment um, hinder or affect your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, uh, it's a constant exercise. It's not anything that uh, I've mastered. I don't know that anybody, unless you're, you know, um, Buddha or, (laughs) you know, mother Teresa or something like that. It's, it's, it's a really difficult aspect of life to maintain. It's like going to the gym, you know, like if you don't go to the gym, your muscles atrophy. If you don't really try and, and remain transparent without judgment,
0: uh, I think that uh, you lose that that strength. And that's so true. I agree because I I feel it in, in myself with, with working at Fox, and mm-hmm. there are mornings where I'm on, I'm feeling great, and I'm, right. I'm doing my thing. And then there's other times where I can actually feel myself pulling back, and it's yeah. it's more like a prolonged thing where oh, it's been a couple of weeks where you haven't really stepped out of the box, you stayed within these confines that you sure. kind of set up for yourself. Yeah, because really they they are self imposed, and they're right? comfortable. Yeah, and you're like, you know, I'm I'm just gonna stay right here, mm-hmm. which is good, but. You know the great doesn't happen in that comfortable spot. The great happens when you Amen push to that. the boundaries <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, and I, there's been times I, I I push it on air yeah. and I'll say things. I'm like, did I just say that? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And Who is that? <laughs> like, wait a Go call him. Yeah. Go. Exactly. Hey, <laughs> get Ted back in here. But it's it's so the feeling after you take that chance, right? Yeah. Like it was on my mind. is the back of my mind. Should I say? It? Should I not say? It? You know, I'm saying it. It's exhilarating and. I did it and then sure sometimes especially when you're in a studio of like three people yeah you know you don't really see how that joke hit or how that comment right. hit but you open up your Facebook and somebody messages and they're like ha 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 they like they, right. they picked up on it it's huh I was really me and somebody accepted
1: that right And that's the, that's the good side of it. And I think that those moments, you have to cherish them. Mm -hmm. You have to relish them. You have to, you know, thank that individual for, for their vulnerability and sharing the connection. That's, that's vulnerable in itself. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of times where you don't get that immediate satisfaction of someone saying, yes, I hear you or, or that's how I was feeling. You may get nothing or you may get the complete opposite of like, I totally disagree with you or that's not how I believe. And, um, transparency is the ability to hear all of that. Yeah, And remain open-minded and remain, you know, my, I, I challenge people every day, change my mind. I, lo- I love for my mind to be changed. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's growth. That's and, and you can't get there unless you are vulnerable or transparent.
0: Yeah. I, lo- I love that you've seen those those memes and it's like, oh, it's like a bold statement. It says, change my mind.
1: Oh, yeah. I love that. I lo- I each Every time I see that <laughs> meme, I'm always like, what am I trying to change my mind? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let me jump into this. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny to touch on um, personality types. I'm mm-hmm. an ENTP which okay. is dubbed the debater the so god bless jess for <laughs> like i'm the kind of person like we will talk about cereal or something mm-hmm. something random and i will take a stern point on a point i don't even believe in, yeah or <laughs> like, maybe know all the facts about yeah exactly i am ignorant to the topic and i do not believe in the on the point, I'm defending. Yeah. But I will defend it until death. Just for like the- You probably would have been a great lawyer. The fun of the jousting. I've been told that. Yeah. Um, I worked at a law firm. Okay. And not surprising. I, they they offered me to shadow a lawyer yeah. and become a lawyer, but um, wasn't for my personality. I, yeah. It was for the personality type, but not me. Yeah. But uh, long story short, I, I enjoy that debating. I love yeah. bringing up other perspectives, right? Because Definitely. Because I feel like- you know we we live in a world where you and I and Andre, we're sitting in the same room, we're breathing the same air, but we're having three different experiences. And Correct. Our view of the truth is different. Mm-hmm. And I have to respect your view of the truth as well as Andres as well as trying and project mine as best as I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens to somebody and this is kind of playing on the point of transparency and when judgment arises and things mm-hmm. like that when their truth gets challenged?
1: It's a really sensitive place to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to still be able to give them space to 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 live and own within their truth. Um, but if I'm getting your your question right, if it's not necessarily your truth, how do you how do you work with it? Is that is that the question? Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, I think it's really case to case. Uh, there are times when um, you know, I think about. A political stance or even a religious stance on issues that are really close to my heart that personally affect me, mm-hmm. and their truth is, you know, maybe never going to be mine because I live it day yeah. to day. I've seen what their quote unquote truth does to an individual. Um, but I think I, I love the fact that I've grown up in the South. I love that I've actually grown up in an environment that is majority completely opposite of what I believe, because yeah. um, it gave me the exercises as a kid to to know that mine are okay. I don't have to change anybody's mind. I don't have to over-preach or or overcorrect or, or you know, spill my truth out onto them um, but I'm always willing to hear theirs and um, I, I really think that the more people could challenge themselves to get there yeah. no matter what they believe that we'd all be a lot further down the road be it politics or social issues or race or religion mm-hmm. um, just you know America was really founded on that like live and let live approach yeah. and I think today and certainly in this day and age in this climate that motto that you know that should be tattooed on everybody's forehead we should all be reading it on each other's faces like live and let live yeah um so that would probably be my approach to that
0: absolutely and i I love that answer because i think a lot of times um for people who live by a certain truth it's it's hard for that to be challenged right yeah oh yeah it's huge it's you know it's world shattering for their truth to be challenged absolutely i i was reading somewhere there was a quote that says you know to win an argument is to break down someone else's belief so Mm. be gentle yeah oh, right I like that you know so be gentle because yeah you're literally breaking down someone's view of right. the world mm-hmm. and but at, at the same time you know allowing two different views to exist i think is where the harmony comes into totally because as as much as somebody might have a different view listen i have a lot of friends with different views but I love them dearly yeah. because I know that their heart is good. Totally. I know that their intentions are good. Yep. And regardless of what their surface beliefs are, what their practices might be, I don't need us to be hand in hand on everything. No. Um. And, and kind of hitting and alluding to the topic that we were kind of leaning towards today. And you were talking about, you know, bringing what's in the darkness into the light. Yeah. You know, how important is it? Because I think when you mentioned growing up in the South and whatnot, yeah, it's very easy, and I was subject to this growing up in in um, elementary and Catholic school and and uh, in New York, where it's very simple to kind of hide your personal, I'll say gifts, mm-hmm. right? Your your personal gifts or your I, your personal view of the world, because what seems to be the majority around you doesn't agree with it, right? What is that like, and how do you get over that hump of I guess, getting the bravery to, to shout from the mountaintops?
1: Um, I got to give a lot of credit to my mom, to be completely honest. Uh, g- grew up, oh, I was born gay. Um, and growing up in Easley, South Carolina, uh, I think Easley is still actually uh, pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really difficult because the, the first thing they ask you in Easley is your name, right? Yeah. Do you know what the second thing they ask you is? Where you go to church. Oh. It is Standard. And so when I moved there in fourth grade, not necessarily, I mean, we weren't, we went to church, but we were like, you know, a couple times a year, Christmas Eve, Easter, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so to go there and immediately be, I kind of put on the spot about like, okay, and what church do you go to right after your name? It, it, it set into motion what I should have forecasted. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to my mom, when she started to see, you know, moms know. Uh, that's my truth and people can challenge me on that all day long and, and I'll, I'll i'll stay in my truth house on that one but moms tend to know about their kids uh not just about their sexuality but just about everything about them i mean we are from our parents yeah and um she started to realize that if i were to stay in this kind of church track uh the likelihood of a youth group leader or a pastor or a fellow um, student or a peer that they may begin to find ways to challenge my homosexuality with uh, religion. Mm -hmm. And my mom had to make a really tough decision. And I can't even begin to put myself in her position in the nineties in a town where everybody went to church. The second question they asked you is where you go to church. And she decided uh, in fifth grade um, that I would not go to church. Wow. That I was, I I was not. And I remember being like, well, I want to go to vacation Bible school with, every other one of my friends. No, you're not doing it. Well, I want to go to the lock-in over the weekend. No, you're not doing it. Wow. And at the time, you know, of course, I was like, Mom, you suck. You know, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Uh, But as I've grown older, I've realized that in her way, as a mother, she was doing Every She was using the tools that she had at her disposal to protect me long term yeah because she didn't want me to go into these environments and in you know by the time of eighteen nineteen twenty to 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 deny who I was or to change my destiny or to marry someone who I was not in love with to yeah. create a family with someone that I was not supposed to create a family with yeah and so I think that uh from the very from a very young age, I saw my mom take a real hard stance yeah on her protection of me and uh I gave me it gave me a lot of courage to continue to risk doing the quote unquote wrong thing Mm -hmm. for everybody else. But that was the right thing for me.
0: And I just want to take a moment and give give your mom the praise and the honor for all that, because it's it's amazing what what parents do for their children, because I have no doubt. That it broke her heart. Oh, of To course. say no, absolutely. Because yeah, you know, as a kid, you just want to you want to be part of the crowd. You absolutely. Wanna, you want to go, and you and don't. Don't understand. get me wrong. There's
1: tons and, of great things about church, yeah. right? Like there's community. You're, there's you get to have social aspects. You learn about um, compassion, and you learn about giving, and you learn about all these incredible things. Um, you know, if you're part of the Christian faith, that the Bible lays out for you. Yeah. Um. So there was this. Um. I had to give up. My mom and I had to give up some of those things. Of course, she found other ways to implement those uh, in my childhood. They just weren't traditional.
0: Yeah, which which is absolutely amazing. I know for, for myself growing up, my parents' view was a little different. They were afraid I'd be too pushed into sports. Mm. And then- they, That was not a problem for me. Yeah, they, had, <laughs> they had me focus on, on schoolwork. And I remember yeah. getting to high school and getting into fights with my parents mm-hmm. because I didn't understand- why they limited my exposure into sports. Wow. And, and for them, both my parents are from Haiti mm-hmm. and they came to this country. And both of my parents, you would not know it speaking to them in New York, but my dad had an accounting degree and a law degree. Wow. My mom studied nursing in Europe and they both knew their stuff. But when yeah. we went to go out to eat and the waitress would be like, Oh, how would you like your eggs? And my mom would be like, Um, omelette. And they're like, sweetie. Oh, um, wow. It's, it's over easy or scram. Like, I watched these people correct my parents as mm-hmm. if they were less than intelligent enough. That happened to be there. difficult. And I'm like, these are the smartest people I know. Yeah. But because education was so centered to them, they pushed that on me. Mm-hmm. And obviously, through myself growing up, I didn't recognize why. And, of course, it broke their heart to have to say no along the way. Yeah. So definitely yeah. want to acknowledge parents for, for making that sacrifice as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Taking the risks. And taking
0: the risk. But the beauty behind it is is the gift of who we get to grow up into. Who, Absolutely. Who we get to become. What was it like when you, you fully embraced wholeheartedly who you were and you were able to kind of share it sure. unapologetically with the world? There were,
1: uh, there's been, I've had two coming outs actually. Um, okay. one was when I was 14 and that was in response to, uh, a really intense amount of bullying, um, verbally as well as violently. I mean, uh-huh. it was, it was, uh, it was before like a bullying movement. I think when I was in college, the, um, it gets better campaign started. Mm-hmm. So there, and you know, still growing up in easily, it was like it, even the, the administrators and teachers in some way were compl- in a lot of ways were complicit um it was just that's what you do you picked on the gay kid or you picked on the nerd or you told the fat girl she was fat like all that stuff still yeah. was in existence and no one there was no checks and balances for it and there was no one calling someone it's interesting because it's such a you know christian community but no one was calling them to be their mm-hmm. a higher version of themselves yeah uh, in those environments and so i actually came out in response of, you know, you're calling me this, you're calling me that. Well, what if I just admit to it? What if the words you're telling me as derogatory as they are, I just say yes to? Mm-hmm. And my hope with that kind of um like embracing of it was that it could take a lot of the fuel out of their fire. Um mm-hmm. and it did, uh, for the most part. I mean, a lot of times, you know, they would, you know, they'd call me a name and I'd be like, "Yeah." It's your arm, okay. Um, anything is that is that really the worst thing you got for me? Because like you know, I can think of a lot of other terrible things about me, but that's that's not the worst. Um, and so it was a uh, it was a powerful moment, but I also knew that if I were to be the if I were to have the um, health emotionally to become to go where I wanted to for college, uh, I needed to put myself in a different environment. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, in my sophomore year of high school, I auditioned to uh, get into the governor's school downtown, um, which is for arts and humanities. There was a really new program at the time. I was only the fourth graduating class. So when I went in, there were still freshmen that had started the entire program. Oh,
0: wow. Um,
1: it's over 20 years old now. Which I was at a panel the other day speaking to the 20th graduating <laughs> class, which made me feel really freaking old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait um, a minute. It, these yeah, children,
0: 20, what <laughs> these what the children?
1: <laughs> 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 and just seeing them, I was like, Oh my God, that was, I was that age. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I auditioned in writing and in theater. Um, both I, I had a lot of passion for, but I was really, I was just putting all my bets on, I was putting everything on black, you know, like mm-hmm. that was, that was my Russian roulette is like, I'm getting out of Eastley high school and mm-hmm. I'm going to go somewhere that I have a, a hunch of, uh, my fingers hunch that I'm going to be more celebrated. What, you know, no matter my mannerisms, no matter how I talk, no matter what my interests are, no matter if I just want to hang out with the girls all the time, like Mm -hmm. I knew that that was going to be my place. And fortunately, I was accepted into both uh, disciplines I got to choose and went for acting. And it was, it turned my world on its head. I was, um, I think there was probably 75% of the male population there was gay. And so it literally was like turning everything upside down (laughs) for me. Um, and I credit uh, the governor's school for uh, really giving me that, um, perspective shift Mm -hmm. knowing what i came from and where i was and then you know combining that to be the person that i was that i was when i went to college so what i love so much
0: about that that story is really kind of when you you come to the ending of it. I feel like when we as people kind of embrace who we are, fully accept it and lean into it, mm-hmm. we end up finding ourselves in an environment that facilitates that. Exactly. We end up finding ourselves exactly where we need to be. Yep. And it's like we... we build a custom home at that point exactly. that we get to live in. Yeah. You're like, you know what? Like, for example, a lot of people don't know in high school I loved playing video games. Yeah. I was a closet gamer. <laughs> I built my own computer, I had, what? My own really plan, everything. <laughs> I love that. And and to this day like I'll start talking to somebody and um <laughs> we had a group speaking of feeling old. Mm-hmm. These high school kids um or middle school or high school kids they came to take a tour of the station and I just cracked some jokes and did some dances and everything and one of the kid goes, "What's your Discord?" And I don't know if you know what Discord is. It's it's the platform nowadays that we use for gaming communication. Oh, okay. I was like, I do not know <laughs> yeah, what that is. Exactly, right? But this kid walks up to me Dang. and says, hey, what's your Discord? And I'm like, oh, here's, here's my Discord name. He's like, I knew you were a gamer. <laughs> and it's almost <laughs> like. Takes on to know one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But when you, when you wear the badge of who you are proudly, yeah. real recognized, real, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, one of us. Yeah. What's going on? No. It's a community feel. So I, I, I love how that, that story kind of crescendoed into that in terms of, you know, you knew you wanted to get out, find some place mm-hmm. different where you can be yourself. Yeah. And the result of you being yourself was not just being yourself, but finding a community that totally. op- welcomed you with open arms. I
1: mean, I was one of many at that point as, of being, as opposed to one of none. You know, the yeah. only gay guy in Easley High School was me. Oh, wow. I was, the, I was one of, you know, 40 at my high school that I, the, the governor's school. So it really was a a fantastic. Um, a fantastic shift. And, and I, you know, there's intuition, there's prayer, there's God, there's all that combined in that, you know, real hearty soup mm-hmm. um, that I was able to to take in before I went there. And, and again, I can't say enough great things about, um, about what that school taught me. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's a boarding school. So I went from regular old public high school um, to a boarding school environment. Uh, it's state supported. So everything that a state supported high school student is required to do, mm-hmm. we are required to do plus a major. Oh wow. Um which is great because I mean what do you, you obviously need to keep a bunch of hormonal teenagers locked up busy. <laughs> um, or they go get busy elsewhere. Yeah. And um so yeah, we had classes Monday through Saturday from like eight in the morning to ten at night. Um but it was a really immersive, incredible environment. Nice. And, uh, I encourage any student um, who is Feeling like they have um, creative impulses or humanitarian impulses that they should definitely uh, at least research the opportunity.
0: Yeah, and, and it doesn't surprise me that you you had your your pick of of which practice to go into and even succeeding even further because you have amazing work ethic, man. Well, thank you. Where does that come from?
1: Oh, uh, comes from my grandfather, comes from both my grandfathers, uh, and comes from my mom. Uh, my both my grandfathers. Uh, I I don't come from money anywhere. Like there's not I ain't got one rich uncle out there. Like it is just like Not even like a cousin? No. Well, and if so, like please find me. Like if yeah. you are my rich cousin, like make yourself known. I'll yeah. take you out to dinner. Please. Please. <laughs> I got I got some I got some free free stuff for you. Um but uh I think uh being able to see how difficult their both my grandfathers and my mother to to know their difficult, the their difficulty in, in their lives day to day. Yeah. Um, but they never were victims. They never threw their hands up in the air. They never, um, threw fault on somebody else. It was just, okay, we'll try again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, um, i i can feel those genes inside me i can feel that dna activated inside of me yeah um when i uh, when i get down or when i want to blame somebody else or when i want to throw blame to somebody else um i I just constantly get reminded to like you know i have so much more than they ever had to work with Mm -hmm. and so there's really no excuse for me not to get out there and continue to try not to say that it it hasn't been difficult i mean i've had every job under the sun i've painted houses i've sold cars Mm -hmm. i've been a paint manager at ace hardware um i've had highs and i've had you know really low lows uh, and you know if if I had been me talking to those that low David, I'd probably say, "Go f yourself like I'm having a really bad day <laughs> um so I understand that it's it may be hard to hear that when you're in when you're in that state um I'd love to be able to go back and talk to to old david um but it's a uh, it's a really empowering feeling to know that I'm standing on the on the shoulders of people, my family, yeah. individuals that got through way worse than I did uh, and never actually got a chance to super duper succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my mom, my mom is successful in, in her career now and, and was previously, but my two grandfathers, they never saw wealth. They never saw riches. Um, they saw some comfort. Um, they were able to raise some families, but, um, they were never wealthy. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, to know that I have the chance to, um, to be wealthy and to share my wealth, um, with my friends and with my community and with those who need it most is probably mm-hmm. the most inspiring part of that.
0: And that's, what's amazing. It's almost like you can tell, um, I mean, the work ethic can come from so many different places, right? Mm-hmm. But when you see some of that hard work in front of you and the fruit that it bears yeah. and to be honest, when that fruit bears just enough to eat and right. you hear other people say, Oh, if you want to be rich, work harder. No, nah, bro. Mm-mm. Because for me, the two hardest people I know were my mom and my dad. And their tree, it, it bared fruit, but it bared enough for us. Right. And it it, it didn't bear um, extra. Yep. My parents, our neighborhood wasn't the best of neighborhoods. They wanted me Bridget to go to Catholic school. Uh, Long Island. Long okay. Island. Brentwood. Strong Island. Strong Island. Yeah. <laughs> I, I separate the two words. <laughs> but... Um, I mean, my parents sent me to Catholic school because the public school system in my town wasn't good. Yeah. And they knew that I'd end up either in a gang or in trouble or mm-hmm. not getting the best education. So I saw my parents, my dad leave the house 5.50 in the morning, coming back after six o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. My mom going to work seven o'clock in the morning at a psychiatric nurse, sometimes getting Sheesh. beat up by our patients and then coming home, um, four or 5 PM, sometimes working overtime until 11 PM. Yeah. Just so yeah, we had food on the table. We had roof of our head. We didn't want for much. Right. You know, I wouldn't say we grew up poor. We didn't, we didn't grow up hungry. Right. But we also, we were comfortable, but they were the hardest people, working people I know. Yeah. So for me, in terms of...
1: That doesn't surprise me about you, though. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm glad I know that, but it, uh, yeah. it doesn't surprise me. It's a lovely story. Thanks.
0: Well, so. I and mean, when I'm at the point now where my parents look at me and they're proud and, you know, my dad, he had a tear in his eye. He's like, you know, my apartment, which closing on a house soon. Like now Mm -hmm. my house, my dad is like, when I first came to this country, you know, at 20, at the time I was 27, when I first came here or 26, and he's like, your apartment's bigger than what I had when I was 26. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a house. My dad's like, your house is, it's more than what I had at 32. And, and my parents are are so happy to see that. But if I could keep the same work ethic going and the fruits get bigger,
2: we're all eating. Yeah, we're
0: all eating. Pull up a chair. (laughs) Yeah, we could have everybody else come to the table. That's right. Um, something about with your work ethic and, and I, and I want to talk about uh, how it impacts others, much like I said, you're the air around you, the atmosphere is infectious or whatnot. I love it. And I want to talk about kind of like team, even though you said you didn't have that problem. I think you are a great team player because it's kind of like, we did um the night of the Bonitas together.
1: We did what a fun night fun that was. Night. Oh, I get goosebumps even thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and um, the thing about when you're working an event with people, mm-hmm. it is like a team sport. It is opinion. for sure. I see it like because yep. there's there's positions and whatnot, and there's there's so much value in knowing that your teammate has their position covered. That's right. There's so much value. And this this goes into like company aspect and, and everything. Like, for example, we're sitting here engaged in a conversation while Andre is able to check the cameras and the microphones and, and everything. Thank to, you, Andre. Andre, subtle, subtle solution, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, that's the kind of teamwork where I don't have to worry about the framing. I haven't yeah. seen the framing yet. But we trust in it. I, I know he has his position <laughs> on lock. Right. Um, where does that kind of, I guess, awareness for you in terms of when you're running my PR Lab and, and when you're kind of running a business or you're talking to some of your clients about yeah. growing their awareness, where does that come from for you? How do you see all those moving pieces? I think,
1: uh, well, I'll tell you this. I think everybody should, should uh, be a waiter at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. They should work in food service, whether that's washing dishes, whether that's a chef or assistant chef or a bartender, bar back, waiter, bus boy, you should, you should put yourself there, even if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and trust me, folks, if you have not done it and you have the ability to do it, even if it's just something on the weekends, there's something you learn about the other side of the bar or the other side of the table the the experience that that um, service industry professional is going through. And um, so my, one of my grandfathers owned a restaurant here in Greenville and my mom worked in that restaurant from the time she was eight until she got married and at eighteen, um, primarily to stop working at the restaurant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but she had this—you uh, develop this air of customer service. You develop this air of team teammate um, uh, awareness. There's there's just so many moving parts in order to give a stranger, mm-hmm. hopefully, the best dinner ever. Yeah, you're never going to get thanked other than maybe a couple of dollars or maybe none at all. But if you are working with everybody else to give a stranger that you're probably never going to see again, you don't know what they're celebrating, if they're celebrating anything, but it's an opportunity to just show up and give someone the best of you with asking nothing in return. And I think that that is truly a teammate's responsibility nice. is you show up and you, I, I'm not here for me. I'm not here for my trophy. I'm not here for my money. I'm not here to get the accolades or the, you know, those the, my, my name and lights. I'm here, uh, as a, um, I'm here as a support to somebody else. Yeah. And, uh, I think that, um, that was, uh, mirrored. Uh, so I moved to, I went to college for a year. Um, didn't, it was not a match, uh, the college that I went to. And rather than... Co- it was in New York, in Westchester. Uh, right about, uh, um, SUNY Purchase. I don't know yeah, if you know that. Yeah. Um, so I went there for a year for acting and uh, realized quite quickly that um, I didn't want to graduate with $130,000 in student loan debt t- to be an actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not that that's a bad choice, but it was not the right one for me. And um, much to my parents' dismay, I uh, moved... After my freshman year from Westchester to Brooklyn, and ended up staying there for another thirteen years. Oh yeah. Um. But uh, I waited tables again there for the first couple years, and I got uh, three waiting tables on one of my regulars ended up, um, in no uncertain terms, she was like, so why are you an actor? Are you dancer? Are you an actor? You like, You're Why are you in the service industry? And at the time, I was 20, and I was like, I don't know. I don't care. I live in New York. Like, everything's good. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, well, what do you think you want to do? And I was like, honestly, I've never been told that I'm good at anything other than acting or writing. Mm-hmm. And I don't really want to do the art stuff anymore. Like, I did that because I wasn't athletic or I really wasn't allowed to be athletic through, like, the bullying stuff. I didn't have any many other outlets as a kid or as a, as a teenager to, to exercise with muscles and figure out where I was good or what I was passionate about, Mm -hmm. um, other than the arts. And, and so she was hearing this and I could tell it was really landing on her. And she said, well, have you thought about PR? Hmm. And at the time, Sex in the City was still on and I was like Samantha Jones was looking fly and she was a PR owner. And like I was just like, Okay, I could do PR. Yeah. And so she said, Well, would you be interested in an internship? And I was like, Well, I really you know, she's like, You can work you can wait tables at night, you can work during the day. Um and this was back when internships weren't paid. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know, I don't know when that script flipped. I
0: remember that. Yeah. I remember that. I, had, I,
1: I got an intern this summer and she... <laughs> Y'all
0: did what? No, <laughs> <laughs> Andre's like, what is that? Yeah, right. unpaid my internship. My first
2: internship was ScanSource, and I think they paid me $15 an hour. Damn! Yeah, an 40, hour? 40 hours a week. Yep. Man. That's a real job, though. Yeah, that is real a real job. job. For It was for like three to four weeks. Wow. Or six weeks. Six I think weeks, my, bad. my
0: senior year, I was working a TV internship for free while working at Lids for like seven fifty uh-huh. an Damn. hour. Yep. yep. <laughs>
2: that's crazy. That's when how you I did worked, it. When yeah. I worked that job, I was like... I felt, like, the real, like, left hook, right hook, low blows, sit in traffic mm-hmm. for 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> effects of, like, in a, of, of a nine-to-five employee. Like, you have, like, that hour of lunch. Like, uh-huh. You yep. can fluctuate 30 minutes maybe. Like, that's about it. You know what yeah. I mean? yeah. um, And, like, when I finished, because I, I did that right before my fifth year of football. And I was, like... Mm-hmm oh boy i'm not going to go a <laughs> nine to five job yeah. at least you not got paid doing it yeah i got yeah. paid pretty at least well you at got paid. i ended up got paid. buying a new car with all the like all the, all the savings and everything but i was like after i had got done that i had graduated <coughs> out of five jobs in 13 months mm-hmm. wow and just doing random things like you said just building like if you haven't done door to door sales, if you can do door to door sales or right. sell direct TV or ATT or, or, car um, yeah, or car sales, yeah, or car sales, yeah, any type of like direct sales, it any type of direct sales, sales where
1: someone's like, F you, no, yeah, hell no, like, walk away, bye. With. Yeah. I don't want don't it, don't
2: come back, do that sales for like two weeks, yeah, yeah. just yeah. learn, you know, the impulse curve, the five exactly, so conversation, those things, and you'll. It, it helped me a lot but yeah, yeah that's funny because i had my intern <laughs> i remember when i was doing internships i was like i cannot do an internship for free like i just can't do it well uh, we did well like, we did and you know what it was, it was like a you really did in new york
1: too. I, I did it applied. in new york i yeah. worked i worked from nine to nine to four and then i would um i didn't have a dog at the time and mm-hmm. so i would have my uh waiter clothes packed with me yeah um and uh and then i'd, I'd go wait tables but what was amazing is And this is God stuff. I mean, this is just kind of like luck, God, whatever. But um, the internship that I got was actually with New York Fashion Week. Wow. And so it was immediate. I was dropped into the epicenter of what New York in people's dreams are mm-hmm. but they were my reality i mean i'm yeah. sitting there putting Halle berry's name on a seating chart and Renee Zellweger's mm-hmm. name on a seating chart and knowing that I, in two months i'm going to be right behind them yeah. ushering yeah. them to their chair saying thank you for coming i'm mm-hmm. in the room with these designers getting them coffee making sure mm-hmm. that they're uh, making sure that their are lunch i remember there was one designer i'm not going to say his name um but uh it was very particular about everything as a lot of fashion designers are they don't get there from not paying attention to details right mm-hmm. and so i um get the lunch order so i run over to panera or something like that and i come back and i set the paper bag down on his desk and he looks at me like i have nine heads oh man or that i have like you know i've done something terrible and so all of a sudden it's like devil wears prada stuff you know like <laughs> and so the the uh, assistant comes in and she scoops up the bag and she whisks me out the door and i'm like what the heck? what's wrong <laughs> what do? i was like i, can't, I can't have a sandwich. Um, I was like, I didn't even like smell it or nothing. Like, I didn't even yeah, take a chip. Like, um, and she goes, No, you have to put it on a plate and we have to do this and we have to do that. And she oh. she brought me into this part of the office where I'm like, I've never seen an office with a kitchen before. Yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. With like plates and silverware and cloth yeah. napkins and all that stuff. Yeah, that's but awesome. It, but it was an amazing experience. And at the end of that, after the after the end of six months, working uh really hard on creating these huge Event productions mm-hmm. for these massive designers in New York. Um, I I had the two owners of the company come to me. I like to think that they were being truthful. <laughs> they may they may have just been being nice. Um, they came to me and they said, "David, we couldn't have done it without you." Mm-hmm. And to know that my role, super non glamorous, coffee spilled everywhere, yelled at by the designers, mm-hmm. you know, sweating, looking like hell, then going to another job and staying there until two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. That it it seemed worth it because they said they couldn't have done it without me yeah. it just gave me such um such a such validation such a role mm-hmm. that i was able to like oh wow and what it did was it um lit up inside of me that i don't have to just be i don't have to make art the way that i make my money mm-hmm. art can be art And I can let that still live and breathe, and it can be a joy, but that there's something else out there that apparently I am good at that is an industry. And people buy houses on it, they send their their kids to college on it, Mm -hmm. they go on vacations on it, and it is a true money-making industry. You can make a career out of it. And so super grateful to kind of back to where we started to um, learn how to be a teammate and check my ego at the door in order to learn what I needed to 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 advance into creating a career out of it.
0: That is probably the Best possible answer I could oh, good. for that question, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, because there there really is no such thing as as small parts to big projects. No, not at all. You know, and when you're talking about whether it's a massive company or even if it's just an event that could be as small as a birthday party, yeah, there are all moving pieces from the baker who bakes the cake to the candle manufacturer yep. who makes the candle to. You ever have those like those those trick candles where you blow it out and it comes back up? <laughs> I hate <laughs> like, those. <laughs> oh man, I I don't like them myself, but they no. they are funny. But they, they, <laughs> yeah, just somebody else exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but there are no small parts to to major projects. It's so it's it's so impactful the fact that even those simple words like "Hey Dave, we could not have done it without you." you know, that, I'll that never forget sense. that. Yeah, I, was,
1: I mean, I I remember. I remember where I was seated, I remember looking up at them from my cubicle and I remember I remember going home and I was um I had a boyfriend at the time and I remember being like, They told me they couldn't do it without me yeah. <laughs> And again, whether or not they truly believed it and again I like to think that they did, they didn't have to say that. Yeah. They could have said, thank you for your time. You have a, we're going to give you a recommendation and we'll, we'll give you some ideas on where to take this internship to turn it into an assistant position or Mm -hmm. associate or whatever. Um, but it just felt so good to know that this huge, massive production in a, in an industry of millions of billions of dollars of celebrity, of fame, of red carpet that, you know, there is little old me a part uh, a little a little gear in a massive mm-hmm. machine and without that little gear you know maybe maybe someone's millions weren't maybe someone's billions weren't billions they were millions i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you go to the,
0: the the mechanic to fix your car and they pull out this little like little spark plug and like this is this is breaking your whole entire car so exactly. it cost you $35,000
1: exactly to fix. <laughs> yeah which be the spark plug you guys in <laughs> college
0: i used to me and my college roommates we used to watch the victoria secret fashion show every year
1: yeah which they canceled this year actually i know they did First cancel time, it which yeah. kind of broke my heart yeah same
0: because i thoroughly enjoyed it every single time i mean
1: even me i enjoy it I mean, yeah it's freaking
0: fabulous it's great yeah. i mean i think it's everybody
1: enjoys it it's yeah who doesn't production. love seeing a glamazon like 10 foot tall with a bunch of wings on like yeah. b- like barrel down the <laughs> runway like
0: it's the best and you talk about productions yes that's a production i yeah. remember i was watching one day and I was watching with my friends, and there was one position, and I I remember pausing it, and I told everybody, I was like, that's what I want to do. And they're like, what? So you have the models. They're all lined up backstage, and there's a guy with a clipboard and a headset, and he's standing go. just off the go. stage. Go. You talking about
1: the guy that says go? Yeah. And yeah. He goes, go. Yeah. Go. Yeah, they call I'm that the showrunner.
0: The showrunner. Mm-hmm. I, I, for some reason, watching that whole production, I was like that's what i want to mm-hmm, do the showrunner because it's such a small part yeah but it's probably so pivotal it is because the spacing between the model yep. the, the music yeah
1: the lighting i'm like it's all pre done ooh, you know it's, it's all they've rehearsed that just like any other music show or just like any other play mm-hmm. they've rehearsed it that those girls have walked down that runway two or three times that day in the exact shoes they're wearing with the exact lights on them with the exact music it's a full-on production and if you don't hit that just like you're supposed to, you could throw the whole thing off. Certainly it. for something that, you know, they go to commercial on it and it's live. You know, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of yeah. moving factors in that. A lot of pressure. A lot yeah. of pressure.
0: Well, I mean, you're you're in that industry now. I know. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I'm not necessarily the go guy.
1: <laughs> if you need a go guy, let me know. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I'll be your go guy.
0: Um, we're coming up towards the end of the podcast here. I, David we we need more time. Like okay. We're going to have to do this again I come back. because um, I feel like we only kind of scratched the surface of your story. Yeah. I think we only scratched the surface of some of uh, the tidbits that our listeners can really get from you and from your experience and things like that. But uh, one of the last questions I, I usually ask on the podcast towards the end is, um, it's called No Rain, No Rainbows. And yeah. obviously getting through your storms to get to your rainbows and the joys in life. What's one of the, I guess, the biggest storms or challenges you've been able to overcome yourself mm-hmm. that gives you the confidence to take on any weather that comes your way in the future. How much time do we have? It's open. Okay. All
1: right. I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it short. So we talked about a little bit before about my first coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had what I dubbed my second coming out, um, October 2018. Um, six years prior to that, I was diagnosed with HIV and uh, carried that shame and guilt. For six years. Yeah. Who's going to want to love me? Who's going to want to have a kid with me? Can I have a kid? Am I going to die? Uh, what if my work finds out? What if uh, my friends find out? I mean, it was just this. And and it's just like with any secret. You know, the longer you keep it a secret, mm-hmm. the the more like rotten and vile it seems. And then the farther away you are from actually addressing it. But it was so, um, you know, I was still in the South. I recently moved back to Greenville. I was selling cars at a really conservative dealership, um, and it was uh, it was just like this impenetrable wall. I just couldn't get there yeah. to be that vulnerable or to risk. And um, I remember I had left the dealership. I'd saved up enough money to buy a house, um, and my mom came to me and she said, "You don't need to buy a house with that money. You need to quit your job at the dealership, and you need to use that money." to open up another PR firm because that's the last time I saw you firing on all cylinders and as happy as you were. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, 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 that's for my house. And she goes, no, 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 that was an investment in your future, whether it was a house or whether it was a business. Mm -hmm. So use the money wisely. And so I did. I quit two years to the day um, of working at the dealership and uh, I started uh, working back in PR. And as I'm doing that, I'm beginning to feel that same validation that I felt all those years ago with the internship of we couldn't have done this without you. I was beginning to have clients who own small businesses begin to turn profits for the first time ever, and they attributed you know some of that to to my work and so hearing all of that validation it I started getting it from the outside, but it mm-hmm. still wasn 't on the inside, and I still kept coming up with this like well why am I not happy why am i why am I still you know here I am I'm finally out of the dealership i 'm finally making money i 'm living the best life i 've got great friends i 'm in a super fun industry, but like why am I still not happy and in my you know like it's for me like when and i shower in the morning and the, and i'm probably my my most vulnerable kid self in the shower in the morning i think about like the deepest darkest stuff that could happen or should happen or i want to happen or the worst thing that could happen and i realized that every morning i was just replaying this um don't you dare say anything keep it a, keep it a secret what if they know Um, And as I'm opening a business in conservative Greenville, South Carolina, I was like, this is probably the stupidest time (laughs) to come out with something (laughs) that so many people are uh, ignorant towards Mm -hmm. um, and that they have a judgment to. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know what? Hell, I mean, if there's any time to do it, like, you know, go big or go home. And uh, I talked about it with my mom. Talked about it with my my family. Talked about it with those close around me. Talked about it with... um, uh, I talked about it with Amber Marquez, yeah. um, who was my primary client at the time. And she's, did they know before or were some you... of them knew? Okay. some of them didn't so I was be- I was just kind of beginning to warm it up I mean my family knew the, the moment um, that I was diagnosed and a lot of- my close friends did mm-hmm. uh, Amber knew um, um, from a long time ago bego- a long time before but I remember her telling me she goes well n- nothing's going to change for you here she goes that, that that she goes that just she goes I'm just gonna be more proud of you if you say that yeah. and to know that my family my business my friends were all in support of me um, I sat down with WYFF4 um, on World AIDS Day I, well, I came out uh, as HIV positive October 2000 18 in an article um, for in the no upstate and then uh December 1st World AIDS Day uh on WIFF 4 I sat down um with Madeline Hackett and mm-hmm. did a, a piece with her about it but what I realized very soon into this process of my second coming out as HIV positive is that there's no there, there 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 are not enough people in the upstate who have the ability mm-hmm. the platform the love to be HIV positive and be transparent. Yeah. Um, and what I really hope through that transparency is to begin to diminish the stigma around it, right? Like um, two things that I always want to make sure people know. I'm on medication that prohibits me from ever giving anyone else HIV for as long as I'm on the medication. So for me, like the buck stops here. I know I'm not giving it to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, another part of that is that there is a medication for people who are at risk. Um, so people that may be using intravenous drugs or um, practicing an unsafe sex, there is a, a free medication that ADEP state provides to anyone who feels like they need it called PrEP, where if they are HIV negative, they can take this pill once a day and they'll never contract it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ninety nine point 999 percent or whatever um so it was uh i think getting through Talk about that storm of like you know i could just feel the clouds collecting and yeah uh, i went to the extreme my mom and i call it extremeville like i packed up and moved to extremeville like what could happen <laughs> all the terrible things um i think we all do that i think we all do that yeah we try and stay out of extremeville these days um but uh <sighs> Knowing that by my transparency, I could lose money, I could lose love, I could lose family, could lose friends, but doing it because I needed to finally get at peace with it Mm -hmm. and that there was way more other people that needed to see someone like me, gay, HIV positive, in the South, growing a business, speaking about it, creating a platform, giving others who can't get there yet, an identity of someone who can so that they're not that, that hopefully the fear is less for them and that the waters are a little calmer once they get there. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, oh, man, I need to commend you for your strength because, you. gosh, I don't know how, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's something that um I know for a fact somebody listening had to hear that. You know, I hope so. I think they had to hear that, and, and the strength that you kind of just displayed here made me a little emotional. Oh, it's it'll make me emotional too. I don't think I've cried on the podcast yet, but it's a first, it's, you guys. It's um, you know, it's it's touching. You well, know, thank and you it, very and much. It's, it's so real because um, we all we all hold a weight on our back, and we don't know mm-hmm. who else is going through something. It's true. And for you to kind of um, you know, emerge from the storm and emerge out and, and on a platform, you know, because it's one thing to express yourself to the friends and to the family. And yeah, you know, in a safe um, space, yeah, in a safe which is place. a first
1: step for a lot of people. And that's a really solid first step. Yeah.
0: Cause they say, you know, what you, you can't heal what you don't reveal. Right. Right. And, right. and yeah, it starts huge. with, okay, those closest to you, mm-hmm. you know, and when you tell those closest to you, I love when Amber's like, well it's not gonna change anything. Right. You know? and I I guess I knew in my heart that a it little wouldn't,
1: but just to hear the words from her voice and yeah. to see her eyes looking into mine and to feel her embrace afterwards, it was just like, Oh, okay, 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 so it's good, it's good, it'll yeah. be okay. And why that's
0: important <laughs> is because like you have that net. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when you when you when you got on air, when you got on YFF four and you sit down and you're 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 proclaiming your truth to the public, mm-hmm. their judgment doesn't matter, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the people whose judgment matter, they already love mm-hmm. and care for exactly. you exactly. So their judgment doesn't matter, right? You've already made your peace with who had to mm-hmm. know. Yep. Now whatever they want to think, and as a business owner, that's where the risk comes. Where correct? Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we call ourselves non-traditional. <laughs> but. Uh, I, I love that you shared that. And when you said how much time we got, I was like, we got time. Okay. Well, thank you <laughs> we for the opportunity time. to yep. share that. Thank you for sharing it. And um, I'm going to ask you to share one more thing. Okay. Where can folks connect with you and get in contact with oh, you great. and uh, continue to maybe use some of your, your services? Absolutely.
1: Uh, if you're interested in learning more about um, true editorial, earned editorial content through PR, you can find us uh, on Instagram at myPRLab gvl um you can also find me on instagram david hawkins gvl and i would love to speak with you more or if you're interested in learning more about how to get involved with aid upstate or if you're struggling uh with hiv and you need some
0: help or you need some assistance feel free to reach out i'm here yeah. for you and thanks for being a leader in that aspect and in that regard i'll have those links in the show notes thank you david i told you i was excited and yeah you did, you did not disappoint oh, good. we're gonna have to have you <laughs> back sometime soon thank i you hope so, so. much and, of course, shout out to Andre Suttles. Thank you, Andre. Yeah, Thank you so much. Here.
2: Appreciate you, brother.
0: And just want to remind you. everybody, our Patreon page. If you haven't heard of our Patreon page, mm-hmm. look for the link in the show notes. There you can subscribe for some extra behind-the-scenes uh, mm-hmm. audio, video, pictures, and things like that. And it helps us grow this podcast into the quality podcast we know that you deserve. Other than that, like we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's Let's grow. <laughs> The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.